Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Neighborhood Watch. It is Spencer McLaughlin from Locked On Pac-12. He is in the house here to discuss Donald Trump's decision to go view Iowa, Iowa State <laughs> this week. Spencer, your thoughts on that? That's a choice, by the way. That's actually that is actually something that's happening. Uh, I, that is, okay. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. If we're just speaking politically, it is a wise move because you are endearing yourself with your presence at a game that hosts the very first primary that will start in what, February, January? Fe I, I forget Whatever the dates of everything in the election cycle. So does he need it, to show up? I don't, I'm not really sure he needs to show up. I mean, he might not like that. I mean, he, sure he, he, he might to. not, but does it ever, here's the thing when he is in public and, and around other people, isn't that when he's at his most powerful, when he can interact with people and, you know, talk, talk to them and give, Give his all his thumbs up and his fist bumps. <laughs> the it's thumbs up. It's gonna be so good. Shit. It's gonna be fantastic. It's gonna be. I great. know. I mean, I saw He's, that. I I hope he watches the game. I want to see a lot of like puzzled looks in the press box where it's like that's the eighth punt in a row I've seen. What the, what the, <laughs> what's, what's what's going on here at Ames Iowa? I need him live. Uh, I need him live tweeting the uh, the game Tremendous. and and just and just and just his thoughts. But anyway, let's get, keep go, let's get into football before we get off the rails and I bust out the old Trump impression. I do want a I do want a Brian Ferentz great guy tweet something along those lines. <laughs> it was just like absolutely absolutely unbelievable. Great offense despite what many are saying. Great offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz. Yeah. All right. Uh do you think that George Klyavkov was watching DJ Uyunglele, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, uh, who's I forget Stanford's quarterback's name. Actually, pretty Ashton pretty Daniels. Good. Yeah, uh, and uh, Sam Jackson, and insert anybody else in the Pac-12. Rip the ball all over the field this week, and think, wow, how did I screw this up? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it falls entirely on him. And you know, when we were talking about that sort of stuff leading up to the season, I argued and continue to believe it's not even mostly on him. He bears some responsibility. I'm not arguing that, but he was out there getting a deal for $30 million a school that he presented to the presidents who said, no, go get 50. And I think that's where the comment came from that you've uh, alluded to many times over the last several months with regards to, you know, them thinking that the Big Ten and SEC's massive deals applied to them and that they'd be, you know, on their coattails soon and everything like that. It now appears after the fact, and I'm glad we've had reporting on this, that 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 
direction came from the presidents, that that's what they thought their value was, because there was one professor at one of the 10 remaining PAC schools who did his own calculations. Nothing says... Legit, like I did my own research. <laughs> like that carries a different connotation, but that's thank essentially you, what Reddit, happened here. Yeah, it's like Reddit, Bob at Cal's. Yeah, it's essentially what happened here is that Pac 12 was like, no, we did our own research and we found this. It's like, okay, that's great. But this is what actually your, your this is what your actual valuation is. And so, I mean, I, I certainly had that thought a couple times going, oh my gosh. We have six of the top 22 teams in the country. We have the best quarterback play in the league by far. We have the most competitive depth by far. And yet we're not going to exist as a league next year. It's crazy. It, it is It is crazy that they dropped the ball. And it's one thing if it was, you know, the ACC that, it, that had done this because they have, you know, Clemson falling off, Florida State wanting out, and then, you know, Duke had a great win, of course, all props to the, the Blue Devils and, and Coach uh, Elko. Mike Elko is their, God, their head yeah. coach's name. I mean, they did a fantastic job on, on Monday night. But, you know, after that, the ACC, it's like, okay, North Carolina is kind of good, but, like, they're not as deep. Or the Big 12, before they added uh, the, the four corner schools from the pack, you'd be like, oh, okay, I mean, it's not – you don't have the most high-end teams, and now you're certainly better in that sense. So, But when you look at it and you go, wow, that is the deepest league in the country right now, and it's just not going to exist. It's a crazy, crazy world. It is. Uh, it is a crazy world. I'm with you on that. It's, you know, look, I mean, timing matters, and I think, you know, it's, it's weird because I heard the point where we're like, well, everybody else wants them, so, like, why – why didn't like they get a deal? It's like, well, everybody else wants them, but it's it's different. Like, the Big Ten is picking up a few of them, right? And who are the Big Ten's TV partners? Fox, CBS, and NBC. ESPN's picking up a few of them with the ACC, and then ESPN plus Fox picking up a few of them. So, like, actually, they're being dispersed across several networks. To be honest, so it's not like the demand was universal. I I think that's kind of the one idea that I would go to where it's like. Why do everybody wants most of the schools? Why isn't this working? Demand was not universal. Demand for later, later football games is, is universal, but it's not sought after in a high quantity, right? Like you can only have so many late night games. Like you don't need that many teams that play out West. So, I think you know and that, that's the problem, right? And that's why I always say is. I think like, there is something to the idea of like, okay, so we couldn't find a TV deal, and this is where George Klyovkov and what? the presidents come come into getting well, getting blame here. Is like, uh, hold okay, on, so 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 hold on, let me finish my point. Okay, okay, okay. I think the I think the Big Twelve could have been in the same exact spot. What I'm saying is like, it's it's really about like what you offer at the time that you offer it. It's not really about like. We are better than you because our quality of ball is better. And look at this team, and and we care so. It's like no, it's really about the decision making at certain moments. If you are not the Big Ten and not the SEC, because once again, the reason why the ACC is adding these schools is they know they're going to have to. It's been reported this they're going to have to backfill. They're going to lose schools. It's you know there is a certain group of schools that are not long for remaining in the league, so. You'd rather have kind of the available schools there in big markets when you can get them. And then for the Big 12, it's like, let's get as bit, you know, let's let's crush this potential competitor, get some late night TV games. It makes us more 
you know, makes us more uh, obviously uh, valuable because we offer games in all these time slots. We offer competitive games, which Fox cited as a reason why they liked it. And so like we offer, this is what we offer now. Like, and, and now we're, you know, we have strength in numbers, which is the ACC is going for in some way, shape or form. So you have to understand it from that perspective. But then also you, you watch it on the field and you're like, shit, really? Like we like, don't even want this. Like this, like this couldn't, yeah. have, this couldn't have stayed together. Cause, cause, like, the, I, I cause, cause it's not why. just, it's not just the deepest conference, but the quarterback play, which is what football is all right. about now. But, but here's the thing. It's, it's that short term, right? It's, it's, it's short term. It's not forever. Obviously the quality right now, you know what I mean? Well, but it, the fact that it has gotten to this point is indicative right. of the fact it's capable of being there. And we've seen in the SEC for a long time, like they've had teams play at a really, really high level. They've had teams fall off. But guess what? They've always had programs that have kind of, you know, filled the void, right? Florida used to be dominant. Guess what? They've fallen off. LSU's won a couple national championships uh, since, since Florida was last competing at that sort of level. You've had, uh, heck, Mississippi State has been a top five team in the time that Florida has has been down. Alabama's been there the whole time. Georgia has gone up and down, but mostly been near the top. But just seeing that at all these different programs in the pack, that it is possible to have them all competing, playing, and being viewed as high-level football programs is, you know, a few years too late, but a reminder once again of what could have been. And I, I think there is something to the notion that, wow, so all these television networks were willing to pay in like the 30 to $35 million range, which is what we were all looking for. But the pack just in their own arrogance amongst the presidents and uh, executives and everybody, but mostly amongst the presidents, they said, no, we can, we can get more than that. We want more money. So then they just basically found a new version of the pac 12 network with Apple and saying like, look, this is this forward thinking idea. It's progressive. It's outside the box. It's everything like that. And Look, it looks like based on what the deal presented from Apple was, they would have gotten well beyond the Big 12 and, and the ACC because the 23 or $25 million, I think, was a base amount until people started subscribing. And if you you know dive into the subscription numbers of how many people are going to pay to watch Pac-12 football, you would have been able to get a few million people. Like, that. that's not even a question. But if, not, if, if the math was so easy, why didn't they take it then? Because of the exposure component, because it was streaming based and there was no linear guarantee. So there was a concern that, well, hey, subscriptions are hold on, hold on, business. hold on, hold on. The Pac-12 fans would have been willing to pay for it, of course. I would have paid and a bunch of other, like lots of Pac-12 fans would have pl- would have paid. The objections came in that, number one, the Big Ten came calling for Oregon and Washington. And number two, I think their concern there and why they weren't willing to say no to the Big Ten was, well, we don't know if people outside the Pac-12 fr- footprint are going to pay to watch the Pac-12. And I don't know that that does great things for our brand and, and, and visibility there. So I, I think that's, you know, from a financial standpoint, yeah, it looks like they could have gotten beyond. But they were so dead set on, we're going to get close to 40 or $50 million or whatever, yeah. that they really? were looking for the only possible deal that could have gotten them there rather than taking one that kept the league, the league together. And it's sad, but you know what? There's one last season of Pac-12 football, Josh, and I am loving every second of it so far. The big story, Coach Prime and Colorado are 1-0. and oh. uh, And so I, I liken them to last year's Kansas team. I think it's a pretty good compliment to get your thoughts on that. Really mm, good backfield, like right, that. with the you know, Jalen Daniels was really a really special player. Really good coach. I mean, here's the thing. is like, say what you want about Dion. Look at, look at the numbers. They did not commit many penalties. They, they, were the far, they were the far better team when it came to executing. They won the game 
without without having a sack or a tackle for loss, which means they were opportunistic on defense. They turned back, uh, and that, that was a lot of what KU did last year. And they did it with really good skill player, you know, skill player uh, stuff, whatnot, and a very good game plan, a tremendous game plan, knowing how to attack their opponents, playing to their strengths. And look, Shador, like I don't know if he's going to be an NFL quarterback. People are like, oh, you know, the stuff to play at the next level. I, I don't know. But like, if you're going to run Veer and shoot, that was the way to do it. He was lethal with it too. He was really, really strong throughout the entire game and very, very efficient. So look, like running Veer and shoot does not mean you're going to be a next level quarterback. So we'll see about that. But he he executed that game plan about as well as you could. The entire team did, and they've got some special players at least on the front line. The depth is a concern, obviously, as the season grows longer. That was the problem for Kansas, right? They started off red hot. They sputtered down the stretch, but that's just because it's a lack of depth and it takes time to build up programs, not because they suck. Yeah, I I think that's a fantastic comp. I I think Colorado is capable of being a a six-win team given their schedule this year. It's not easy to start Pac-12 play at Oregon and hosting USC. That's going to be a struggle. Might see a lot of points in that USC-Colorado game. I think that the Buffs did a great job of taking the opportunity that was given to them by TCU. Now, it was the game on the whole. This is just a distinction I'm going to try and make as clear as possible is how I saw it. The game on the whole was not given to Colorado by TCU. The opportunity to take it was. And you have to be a good enough and well-coached enough football team to take that opportunity, which they were. And they deserve credit for that. TCU made a lot of mistakes in that game. Their defense was atrocious. Now, all all credit to Colorado's offensive game plan, like you said. Sean Lewis, hero of that game. He's calling the plays, scheming the offense, and Coach Prime deserves credit, of course, as well. And Shador Sanders executed a high, high level. 500, he set a program record in his first game. Come on, even the most diehard Colorado fans. Don't tell me you saw that one coming. He was outstanding, better than expected, at least for me. And we'll see what he does as an encore performance at home against Nebraska. And my goodness, Folsom Field, Josh, is going to be hopping because those fans are passionate, they care, and they are excited. They have been for a while, and all their dreams look to be coming true right now because of what happened in week one. Now, the people who are looking at Colorado and saying, oh, they're in the top 25, they're, uh, you know, are they going to beat a big time team? I am not there yet. Because this is still a team that needed two red zone turnovers to only allow 42 points. Like this is still a defense. And they were very they were very fortunate that TCU did not run the football because that was like, what are we doing? They allowed what are you doing? Colorado seven yards of carry. Yes, seven yards of carry. Colorado couldn't run the football worth a damn all afternoon. It does not mean they're a bad football team. You can win a lot no. of games just scoring points. You know who they honestly remind and, me and, of? And being a better, and being better coached. And being better coached, yes, you know, which they were. And they executed better. better. That yeah, is 100% better. fair. You know with, who with they the remind me they of? Too. In the Pac-12 is Arizona from last year. They remind me from Arizona because I see a run game that is not going to carry the load. The offense goes through the quarterback and the receivers, and that is evident, and, and that's wildly productive. That's great, but it's a defense that can't stop the run. It's a defense that's going to allow a lot of points. And you know what Arizona was last year? Five and seven in the Pac-12, and they did upset a contender last year in UCLA. So maybe Colorado can pull that off, but this is not a Colorado team that's all of a sudden, oh, well, they're a Pac-12 contender. Like, no, they still can't run the football, 
at least from what we've seen. You know, if we're making judgments based on everything that was good, if you made the same judgments on what wasn't good, Colorado has a horrible defense and they are not able to run the football with any modicum of success, right? Those are the same kind of observations for the people who are saying, oh, Colorado's going to put up. They had to play a receiver. They had to play a receiver as slash cornerback 120 plays. And he, yeah, you know, like that, that. Look, right. all props to Travis Hunter, Heisman contender. Sure, I'm there. If he does that every week, I'd give him the Heisman you can't, trophy. That's just not sustainable. Yeah. Oh, yes, but that's just not sustainable. Right, no. I, I agree. I thought they had some other good weapons. Dylan Edwards was a beast. Catching yeah, the horn ball. Kid, horn not running kid ball. Jimmy really Horn, yep, good football yeah. player. Okay, they got some the, – their skill positions, they're solid, right? I don't think they're top of the pack, but I think they are solid. They are, they are good enough – to allow them to score points on a lot of the defenses that are in the Pac-12. But when Colorado goes up against a team that isn't as poorly coached and executing as poorly as TCU was on, on Saturday, what does the game look like? What about when they play a coach who realizes, hey, they can't stop the run. Let's just keep running the football and not try and go with Chandler Morris, who I thought was terrible in the game. I don't care what his stats were. That guy missed so many open throws and threw two interceptions that were caught by the defense inside the five-yard line. That is inexcusable. And the OC, Kendall Bryles, Kendall, it's Kendall Bryles, right? Kendall, yeah. Yeah, Kendall Bryles. He did not have a good day. I know we put up 42 points, but guess what? You run the football if they can't stop you for seven, seven yards, yards of carry. carry. And they just decided, no, we got to throw it. Like, really? Why? Yeah. If you get seven yards of carry for four plays, guess what you have? Two first downs. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is just not This is not rocket science here. I thought they overthought the room. We're too reliant on Morris. They thought they had Max Duggan. They didn't. So Colorado deserves a lot of credit. They're in the top 25 AP poll. They should be because they went on the road, shocked the world, did a lot of things right to categorize them as a conference contender, I don't think is accurate. TCU's a team that I wouldn't have had a, a conference contender if they were in the Pac-12 this year. I don't think they're a contender in the Big 12 this year. They're not. They're not a classic either. pullback team. Like this is all the, they, they, they had a lightning in a bottle kind of season. They lost their offensive coordinator, their quarterback, and their top wide receiver who made a bunch of plays. You combine those things together, you'll still be a, an above average football team. I don't think they're, you know, four and eight. But I don't think they're twelve and one, and they're certainly a lot closer to, to seven and five than they are ten and two. This weekend for the Pac-12 is just like this weekend for the Big Twelve. It's it's a, a big weekend. Can I Except go, we didn't lose easy. a football game. No, I'm saying this coming weekend. This oh. coming weekend is what I mean. <laughs> okay. uh, Baylor Utah is, is very 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 interesting game. Obviously, we'll see the Cam Rising status. Nebraska and Colorado is is exciting for obvious reasons. Oregon and, and Texas Tech is exciting. Uh, we'll see if Tech can, can bounce back. Wisconsin plays Washington State on ABC. Arizona goes to Mississippi State. UCLA goes and takes on San Diego State, which is a fascinating, you know, one leaving, one that could have come in type wrinkle to it. Should Stanford, have. Not could have. Stanford, one that should have come in. Stanford, USC is interesting. I, I want to see – look, because here's the thing. So I don't know how good – like Hawaii's defense is probably really bad, but Stanford moved the football pretty easily on them. Uh, USC's defense is – it's not good. So, like, can you can Stanford do the same there? Can they present any kind of challenge? We'll see. Auburn Cal is kind of interesting. I love that game. From Sam Jackson. And I company. love. I love oh, that game. Sam, State. I mean, by the way, by the way, there's Pac-12 games this week. Just so, just so people are aware, Sam Jackson got injured in Game One against North Texas. He is day to day. 
uh, I heard from a, a friend of mine who covers Cal. They're going to need that. They're going to need him. I agree because I don't know if Cal's offensive line is rebuilt enough to go up against Auburn's defensive front. But Ben Finley was more than competent on Saturday. It was yeah. against North Texas, sure, but Cal put up their most points. Ben Finley of NC State fame. That is correct. And he put up more points for Cal than any game they had played in since 2015. Their most points of the Justin Wilcox era. I know it was against a G5 school. I'm just saying that is something that they never... They played UNLV at home last year. They won like 21-14 or 24-7 or 21-17 or something something like that so, against UNLV. So, this is a different Cal offense. Which which game are you most excited for as I get you out of here? Well, I mean, I'm an Oregon fan, so I'll lean Oregon, uh, Texas Tech. But honestly... The Cal-Auburn game, because I have been on the Cal hype train since March. And by hype train, I mean they're going to make a bowl game this year. That is what I have them doing. And I have been calling this upset since March. I'm not wavering on that, even though I, I all feel better about it if Sam Jackson plays. But I think they're going... They've changed some academic standards there. Haven't they <laughs> they don't some, have the sort of restrictions they've got, they've got on the some portal. New yes, they don't have the same restrictions on the portal that Stanford does, right? That's why Stanford is such a hard job. They're not an impossible one right now. And I was impressed with Troy Taylor. But I looked at Cal, who brought in a top 20, a top 20 transfer portal class. Listen to that. Listen to that stat for people who don't know. There are SEC schools that did not bring in as highly ranked a transfer portal class on 24-7 sports as the California Golden Bears. They revamped their offensive line, their offensive line coach, they've revamped their offense and their offensive coordinator. And those were their biggest weaknesses for the last couple of years under Justin Wilcox. That's why I think they're a bowl team this year. I think they're going to beat Auburn on Saturday because they are at home. If they're on the road, I would say no. But it's funny that Oregon and Utah are playing the, ex I mean, the exact same football game, Josh. They were going to be favored anyway. They're now favored more because the Big 12 school they're playing had an upset loss to a group of five team in week one. And we don't really know what's going to happen with those, with those Big 12 teams because it's like, hey, is this just going to be a disastrous season for one of them? Or is it going to be a slow start and they rebound? We, we don't really know. And One of Texas Tech or Baylor is going to win this weekend. I'm telling you that right now. One of those two schools is going to win this weekend. I don't. I don't. I don't agree. I think Oregon and, and Utah are going. Cam Rising is is I think going to be back. He's been cleared for full practice this week in Salt Lake City. So if he's back, I certainly like Utah there. And I think Oregon is a better team than than Texas Tech. I thought they'd win before the upset happened. I am not overlooking the Red Raiders by any stretch of the imagination. I've been stressing that to Oregon fans nonstop for the last couple of days. But I, I think those are both interesting games because they're exact same. Pac-12 contender, Big 12 team with a disappointing group of five loss in week one, and head coaches early in their careers who are suddenly facing stronger questions because of what happened in, in week one. And both lines are around six and a half, seven points. Literally identical football games. Yeah, that's true. Spencer, where can folks find you and all of your work in its variety? I am on Twitter at smalls underscore 55, and I host Locked On Pack 12 and Locked On Ducks Monday through Friday, which are available YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It is always a pleasure, Josh, and my goodness, is it so great to talk about football again. Heart. Heart. Love it. All right. Talk to you.